Hey, podcast listeners, this is Pastor Freddie T, and today you're in for a treat, a really special treat, as uh, we pull up the chair and we talk with some very special guests. Uh, we have a fellow real lifer who is experiencing uh, the powerful presence of God as he walks through the darkest season of his life. Uh, so you're going to be encouraged. Uh, this is a real life story. So uh, carve out some time. You're going to want to listen to all of this. Thanks for tuning in. This is a podcast from Real Life Sango in Clarksville, Tennessee. Thank you for being a part of our online community. We would love for you to join us at 8.30 or 10 a.m. on Sunday morning at the City Forum. In the meantime, if you would like to share a prayer request, make a financial contribution, or take a step at Real Life, you can text MISSION to 97000. Now enjoy the podcast. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, real lifers, it is Pastor Freddie T. I am so glad to be back with you, not in a pre-recorded summer series, but kicking off the new school year here on the Real Life Podcast. I am without my comrade, uh, Jonathan Vinson, who Lord willing will be back with us next week. I know you guys enjoyed Pastor Tim Nussbaumer this summer uh, as he did the podcast series with me. I have two special guests today, and I can't wait for you guys to get to meet them and hear a little bit of their story. So first on the docket is Charles Nutson. Charles, what's up, man? Um, it's uh, good seeing you here today, Pastor Freddie T. It's, uh, thank you so much. It's been a long road. Yes. <laughs> it's been a real long road. Charles, thank you so much for uh, jumping on the podcast today. Um would you start by telling us how did you find Real Life Church? Well, so um, um, I am uh, at least still uh, situation dependent, right? Like uh, active duty Army, and I have been associated with Fifth uh, Special Forces Group at Fort Campbell for 14 years. And I say associated with because I, I first got here in 2008 as an 18 Echo for uh, a Special Forces detachment and then uh, left in 2017 and then came back you know, uh, fall of 2020 and, um, you know, my wife and I, we were looking for a church and we weren't, we, we'd kind of had some thoughts on, on some other ones around town. And oddly enough, about that first week that we actually started receiving mail, we got a, uh, a physical brochure in the mail for real life Sango. I was like, yeah, let's go there. And, uh, we went there and I think it was October of 2020 and we were, we went there and they were like, yep, this is the place to be. Immediately like, is, you knew. Yeah, we were like, this is the one we need. You know, this is the one we want to be at. So, and uh, it was definitely my wife too, because she had, you know, we we'd struggled to find a church out there in, in, in California because we were out at Fort Irwin for three those three years. Yeah. And uh, we just knew when we got here. So. <laughs> I love that. Tell me who all makes up your immediate family, Charles. Oh, yeah. So I have uh, the, um, my wife, Heather, and then uh, we have two beautiful daughters, uh, Evelyn, our oldest, is five, and then our youngest is Hazel, who is two. Precious little girls. They're just filled with joy. You know, you can tell they receive a lot of love in their home. Yeah, fantastic. Where were they born? Where were the girls born? So uh, they were actually both born in uh, Reno, Nevada. My wife is from Reno, Nevada, and or the Reno area, and um, we had... Uh, let's see, Evelyn was born just before we went out to uh, Fort Irwin, but she was out there with my wife because my wife was uh, Air National Guard out there at Reno um, when she was born. And then Hazel was born 
while I was stationed out there at Fort Irwin. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, so well, Charles, you and I, we have another guest here in the lounge <laughs> yeah. today. Would you introduce us to the other guest that's here? Oh, absolutely. So uh, to my left and uh, Pastor Freddie T's right is uh, is my father. He is a, a retired minister um, from uh, South Dakota. and uh, Pastor so. Dave. Yeah. Good to see you. Welcome. <laughs> Thank you. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you. Yeah, Great yeah. to be here today. Fantastic. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. All right. I you, you probably, when you said hello to me when you first visited real life, visiting your, your son and his family, you probably never imagined you'd be sitting down uh, talking <laughs> on a podcast, did you, with me? Never never imagined that to happen. I appreciate, but, uh, your, I appreciate your openness. Uh, Pastor Dave, where, where were you born? I was born in Longmont, Colorado. Uh, my family... Uh, we had a farm near Erie, Colorado, which is about 10 miles from Longmont, and we farmed there till 1973. Uh, Colorado had become kind of a, a mini Silicon Valley, I guess you'd say, and a lot of people were moving in, and we just kind of got crowded out, our farm did, and so we, we bought another farm at Bridgeport, Nebraska, moved about 200 miles northeast of where we had lived before. How old were you when you moved to Nebraska? I was 20 years old when we moved. Okay. Yeah. How was that move for you from well, Colorado to <laughs> Nebraska? Well, you know, when people move, a lot of times you see a, a truck going down the highway and maybe a trailer behind it or a, a, a vehicle of some kind following. Uh, when we moved from Colorado to Nebraska, we had to move an entire farm. And we had, I think, 25 loads of materials, you know, between wow. tractors and machinery and wow, iron, lumber, everything. Wow. So, and we, we sold quite a bit of, of our material before we left, but uh, it was a long process. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, your son Charles has an amazing story that in just a moment yeah. we're going to hear about what's going on in his life. And so the podcast listeners are going to be um, uh, really privileged to get to hear just up close and personal, what's going on in Charles's life. But Amen. before we do that, Pastor Dave, how did you know that God was calling you to be a pastor? When did you sense that call? Well, uh, I, uh, Debbie and I, my wife, were married in July of 1976. And I did some supply preaching uh, around the area. Uh, we, we lived at Bridgeport, Nebraska, or near there. We had a farm there. And the pastor would often ask me if, you know, if I'd fill the pulpit when he was away. And, and our, our church was part of an association of seven churches. And there was one church at Kilgore, which is up in the sand hills of Nebraska, 175 miles from Bridgeport. Wow. So every seventh week, I would go up there and preach. Wow. And that's really kind of how I got started. Now how, I mean, how did, how did he pick you? Why did he pick you to say, will you fill in for me? <laughs> well, <laughs> maybe he knew something I didn't yeah, yeah, <laughs> at that time. Yeah. And I remember one of the women in the church, Marge Caswell, came to me one day and said, you're going to be a preacher. And I thought, eh, I don't know about that. <laughs> but isn't, she was right. Isn't that something? <laughs> yeah. it's, it's beautiful when the local church recognizes the gifts that God has given people mm -hmm. and they speak that out yeah. you know it's almost like they draw it out of you and right uh, so so would you say that 
that the local church's affirmation of what God was doing in your life um, was helpful to you in discerning your call? It, it was helpful, but, but there was something else that was more um, direct or more, I, I, I guess I would say painful. Uh, we, we were farming, and um, some of you might know about the 1980s for farmers. It was a very difficult time because a lot of farmers um, got put out of business. The, the banks just wouldn't support us anymore. And we were one of those. Uh, we didn't really owe very much money. But the banks had decided that they would continue financing the, the farmers who had the most debt and try to try to get the, the others who didn't owe much to flush them out of the system, basically. So we went to renew our loan in uh, January of 1987, and the banker said, we're not going to loan you any more money. Wow. And I thought, well, okay, what do we do now? Well, he said, you can... You can go to other banks and see if they'll pick up your loan. So we went to four other banks, and they would look at the paperwork for a week or so, and then we'd go back, and they'd say, no, we, we can't do it. And So we were praying about it, and I told Debbie, well, we, we know some people at Central Baptist Seminary in Kansas City, Kansas, and why don't we, why don't we contact them? Because I had kind of felt the Lord leading us in that direction for some time, and so we arranged to make an in, on-campus visit, and we we went there in April of 1987. Uh, we had a good friend, Dale Melvin, who had his own plane. He flew us down to Kansas City and stayed there for three days visiting his friends. <laughs> he flew us back home, and that's what decided it for us. Yeah, so your time there at the seminary and just what the Lord was stirring in your heart yeah. was a, a confirmation Right. So then, so then, what? You 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 moved and went mm-hmm. to seminary. We went. We moved to Kansas City in the summer of 1987, and uh, rented the farm to my niece. She wanted to farm it. Uh, we we had been raising hogs also, and she said, "Well, I can raise the hogs." So we thought, "Well, okay." That sounds like the Lord is giving us some open doors. And uh, there were a couple of, I don't know. I guess you'd call them hiccups along the way. I uh, I knew the the uh, NRSC director, National Research Conservation Service director in Bridgeport, and he said, "Hey, you know you you had a lot of soils uh, classes in college, and we'd like to have you do the soils map for Morrill County. That's where Bridgeport was. They hadn't done the soils map yet. How about it? What do you think?" I said, "Well, it sounds interesting because I'd tried to find some off farm." income and just yeah. never did yeah. work out. Yeah. And he said, we'll pay you $8 an hour and it's a part-time job. And I thought, wow, $8 an hour in 1987 for a part-time job. That was, that was a lot of money then. Doesn't sound like much now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, uh, we were praying about that and, oh, then, then this came up with the seminary and I, I finally had to tell Ed, I said, well, you know, I've really given this a lot of thought, but I'm going to have to say no to the offer to, yeah, wow. to do the soils map. Wow. Uh, the Lord's called me to do something else. <laughs> yeah. So you, so you moved to seminary, is that right? Right. And mm-hmm. uh, uh, after seminary, what happened? Well, about a month before graduation, um, I was. we were talking to a church 
in South Dakota, Trent Baptist Church. They came and interviewed us and and asked me to to preach. And uh, ironically, the the candidating sermon was on April Fool's Day of 19, <laughs> 1990. Night of 1990. Yeah. And you went and pastored this church mm-hmm. in Trent? Trent, South Dakota. South Dakota. And you yeah. pastored that church for how long? For 30 years. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. Charles, how old were you in 1990? I was eight. You were eight. Do you yeah. remember moving to this church? I and- remember a little bit. We, we got there in the summer. I remember... Um, uh, one of my friends there in the church, he, uh, he was, why, why was, I forget why Brady was gone. He was going to miss like the last half, you will like this part. He was going to miss the last half of the T-ball season. <laughs> and they were like, Hey, you know, you can, they asked me if I wanted to fill in and, and finish out the season for him. And I was like, well, absolutely I do. And, uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. So you were eight years more. old. So you grew up there in that church oh, yeah. from eight till you, the time you graduated high school. Yep. Yep. Is that right? Yeah, I graduated high school from Flander High School. It's like thirteen miles north of there. I mean, I had a class of. I think we was we it? were the bubble class. We had uh, we were like the biggest class they'd had in decades at like a hundred and five or something. Yeah. Which I know sounds strange, right? Like that's like a classroom size <laughs> around here, but like for. For a small town in, in South Dakota, that's a lot of kids. And then by the time I actually graduated, I think we were down to like 85. Yeah. There was like 85, 85 of us that were left. In the school? Yeah. yeah. No, no, in, in, in my class. Got it. Yeah. And then uh, and then I went to college. Yeah. Where did you go to college? So I went to college uh, 30 miles south of there at the University of Sioux Falls. It's a, uh, a private Christian liberal arts college there. Excellent. I went and ran uh, track and cross country there because I had ran um, track and cross country in high school. I was a... Uh, um, Believe it or not, I don't look like it anymore. I was a uh, two-time state champion in the 800 meters in the in the middle division in South Dakota. I believe it. Um, and then uh, <laughs> got the offer to go run in uh, in college and uh, jumped at the opportunity. Yeah, and, uh, wow. That was basically my job for five years. <laughs> Amazing. It is a job when you play collegiate sports, isn't yeah. it? Pa- Pastor Dave, you pastored that church for 30 years. Right. Uh was that the only church you pastored? That's the only church I've ever pastored. Wow. I, I was also uh, helping the Flandreau Santi Sioux tribe at Flandreau uh, as their pastor. Um, you know, if somebody needed me to visit someone yes. in the hospital, they would call me. Yes. And um, yes. I, I did that for probably about the last 10 years. Yeah. We yeah. Were at Trent. Wow. I, I don't intend to embarrass you, but um, you, you, you are a hero, uh, really. I the uh, the the ability to serve one congregation for thirty years is remarkable. Well, there there were some days I wasn't <laughs> sure. I remember asking my pastor, who pastored my home church for nineteen years, how did you do it so long? And he just said, "Well, any time that I thought about leaving." The Lord just prevented it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> He just prevented it, you yeah. know, in His pride. The Lord just prevented yeah. it. So, so I imagine there were a handful of times that the Lord just prevented you yeah. from moving on. Yeah, in fact, we got fairly serious into fairly serious conversation with three or four other churches and thought, well, we're going to be moving, and it just just never did develop. So, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, I just want to thank you for serving the Lord so faithfully and giving a, a pastor like me a real picture of what to aspire to that kind of you know 
in, in, in our fast paced world that things just happen so fast. We, we easily lose sight of the virtues of perseverance mm-hmm. and endurance. And uh, you're a model for that, Pastor Dave. I, I really appreciate you as you have visited your son and his family here in Clarksville, introducing yourself to me. Uh, it's always nice to have another pastor <laughs> listening to the sermon, cheering you on. So mm-hmm. it's been a pleasure getting to know you. Uh, but you're in town because of some things that have taken place, Charles, in your life. And uh, uh, Charles, at the beginning, around the beginning of last month, uh, you had some life-changing events take place in your life. Yeah. Uh, to say the least. So, oh, yeah. uh, would, so would you just kind of start at the beginning and tell us tell us what has transpired? Yeah, so um, um, probably the most important thing to, or the best place to start is uh, um, at the beginning of this year, right, I, um, when we had come back from Fort Irwin, right, from being away for three years, I was uh, given the opportunity to be a a, uh, a special forces detachment team sergeant, right? Which is the senior non-commissioned officer on a 12 man team, which is an extreme honor, right? Like that is a, a premium job inside of the United States arsenal, right? It is a, 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 an extreme honor that I am so glad that I got to, um, to, uh, to have, especially not, um, not yet being promoted to, uh, a master sergeant, right? Like it is, it is an, a very high honor that they were willing to give that to me. Like, um, and then, um, so I had been with my detachment for uh, about three months, and we went uh, there at the, in May. We went on a, a uh, to a training exercise up in the mountains of uh, New Hampshire. And uh, about halfway through our experience there, I had had a headache, you know, uh, early that morning, and we I'd ran out of ibuprofen. So before we went out, I had uh, the guys in my car. I was like, hey, we'll just pull over to the grocery store here, and I'll go grab some ibuprofen and you know, take a couple pills and we'll, we'll go up into the mountains and we'll, we'll get after it. Right. And, um, I remember as we were leaving that parking lot, I took, I took two of those pills and it was, um, I immediately, like, as they hit the back of my mouth, right. Like I remember feeling tingling and, uh, numbness. And, um, I remember thinking it very odd cause I'd never had that feeling before, but I was like, Hey, like we're gonna we're gonna keep going, right? Like we're we're we, we got stuff to do. Let's this isn't. I mean, maybe it'll develop into something, but we're just gonna just let it go for now. As that morning progressed, I began to lose the ability to speak, especially certain syllables. Um, now, some of that was as uh, believe it or not, if you've never been up to the uh, New Hampshire and Vermont area and. In, in May, believe it of all things, it, it's pretty cold up there. <laughs> so I thought, I was like, well, it's pretty cold out there. You know how you, you kind of lose the ability to speak really well um, in a cold environment. I, was, I, I ascribed it to that, right? But it just progressively got worse through that morning. Then by the time we got to uh, lunch, you know, I was, I was eating my sandwich and uh, I could barely swallow. And I realized, I was like, I'm losing my airway. And... Um, so I told my I told my medic, you know, and uh, he's like, "Hey, we're gonna we're gonna rush you to the emergency room." So they took me to the ER, and they thought, uh, "No, I've never had any allergies in my life." Um, but when I like, I couldn't even. I had to have my medic describe the situation to the uh, um, 
you know, the, the, the person that takes down all the data there. Cause I couldn't speak at that, uh, at, at the window there at the ER. And so, um, they assumed it was some type of allergic reaction. Um, what they ended up just thinking it was, was the coating on, on top of that aspirin, right? Because it wouldn't have been the aspirin cause I had taken, um, just the plain aspirin that the army is notorious for, right? Where it doesn't have any coating or anything at all on it. Right. And had no issues with that. And so, uh, anyway, they proceeded to treat me, you know, as a, as a allergic reaction, pumping me full of epinephrine and, and all the other steroids, right. To get it down. And eventually everything came back. All of my faculties came back and the numbness went away. And, um, and we just kind of figured that was that. And, uh, um, had the, they issued me two EpiPens and were like, hey, go, get to an allergist as soon as you can when you get back to Campbell. Um, well, uh, so uh, we had another um, training exercise overseas, right, coming up within a, like a month. And I never had time to get into the allergist. And so the plan was actually to go a couple weeks ago <laughs> is eventually when the appointment was set for. But uh, um Every couple of days after that incident, I would have relapses of like unprovoked because I, I couldn't identify what it was. It wasn't anything that I'd eaten or anything that I had done where I would like have numbness or tingling or even like spasms, especially through the left side of my face. You know, I would lose the ability to speak or say certain syllables for, you know, a couple minutes here and there and then it would go away. Hmm. everything would be fine. And I was like, well, that's really strange. But I, I, like I said, I couldn't, I couldn't nail it down to anything and say, this is, this is what's causing this problem. Yeah. Um, so we, uh, you know, and I talked to my medics about it, but we, like I said, we, we, we couldn't figure anything out with it. And we were like, well, we're just going to, we're just going to move forward and, and we'll just keep monitoring the situation. It would so. come and go. It would come and go. You yeah. kind of thought it, it might be allergies, but we're not really sure what this yeah. is. So yep. what was next on, uh, you guys were about to head out. Yep. So we left, uh, we left in early June. So I deployed on, uh, the first of June of, uh, of this summer to, uh, Oman, which if you're not familiar with, uh, um, the geography of the middle East, it's, it's on the Southern or Southeastern end of, um, um, Saudi Arabia along the Persian Gulf. Um, and so we went there and, um, um, I was there for about 10 days and still having these, you know, every couple of days would have these, these relapses right into this. And I remember on the, uh, the 13th of June is when, uh, that was a very life changing day. Um, we were scheduled to have night training with our partners down there. Right. So, uh, you were just kind of. I don't want to say killing time, but, you know, like finding some things to do throughout the morning, right? Because you're not trying to switch over to a night schedule because then it's really hard on your body and it's hard to come back from. And you're just like, I'm just going to just going to keep myself busy, keep myself awake. I uh, it's a 1145. I sit down at uh, my computer there in my hotel room and I we all had uh, individual hotel rooms, right? I did not share this with any of my teammates or anyone else. Right. So I'm the the only person in this hotel room and uh, like, well, you know, I might as well have, have some lunch right here. I, I was like, so I made myself a peanut butter sandwich and I was like, I think I was allergic to peanut butter. Right. But uh, I take my first bite of this sandwich as I'm sitting there getting ready to work on the computer. And immediately my, the left side of my jaw locks up 
And uh, that's why I mentioned the, I don't think I'm allergic to peanut butter, right? But suddenly the, the thought flashes through my head of like, oh, goodness. Well, maybe I am. Maybe, maybe, it, maybe it wasn't the, um, the ibuprofen, right, that caused this thing. And I was like, well, peanut butter is pretty dangerous if you are allergic to it, right? So I, I'm immediately trying to uh, clear it out of my mouth, right, with my right hand. And I notice that I cannot, I cannot get my jaw to let go. And I'm losing dexterity in my right hand as I'm trying to clear it. And um, so you're trying to knock the food out of yeah, your mouth. Yeah, I, I was like, "Hey, I need the peanut butter your gone." Hand yeah, because you couldn't get it out with your mouth. Yeah, I could. I, I couldn't wow. open my mouth. Wow, I couldn't open it with my jaw muscles, and so yeah. I was like trying to pry it open. Yeah, wow. Because I was like, "As I, hey, I need to clear this out, and then go get grab my epipen and, and yeah. you know stab my thigh with this thing, and yeah, and then uh, we'll we'll take things from there, right?" So as you're yeah. trying to knock the food out, and then you begin to feel your your arm losing. Yeah, it's starting to it's starting to lose, like you know how like you, you start losing the ability to move your fingers the way you want to, and like yeah. do that fine muscle motion in there to 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 do motor skills. And uh, so I'm like, well, let me run to the bathroom and see if I can just like lean over the sink and let gravity, like maybe gravity can help me out, right? Like maybe I can pry this thing open enough that I can get it to, you know, get to the back of my front teeth and then grab it out and and clear it that way, right? So I am, uh, I am over the sink in the bathroom, right, which is right next to the, uh, the door that leads in and out of the room, because um, you know, it's your standard um, hotel room setup. Um, I've got both hands on that sink, and um, almost immediately I start having tremors and just uncontrollable shaking through both sides of my my upper body, right? Like it is, it's, and at first I was like, oh boy, this is, this is not, this is not pleasant, right? Um, I mean, you can imagine like being in the military, right? Like you've done some very unpleasant things, right? And you're like, ah, yeah, this will probably be fine, right? And I remember after about 30 seconds of that, I was like, this is like, I'm in trouble. Wow. Like I'm in real, I'm in, I'm in real trouble. Like this is, um, like, I might not make it out of this thing, right? Like, the, the distinct thought started to creep up in my mind. Like, this might, this might be really serious. I, need, I, need, I really need some help now. And so I start thinking in my head, and I'm like, okay, well, I, I know that my teammate is in the room adjacent to me, right? And I couldn't, I couldn't speak. I was like, hey, maybe I, can, maybe I can get over to his door and start, like, banging on it, right, and get him out here to come help me, right? Like, because I was like, this is, I, like, I knew it was, I knew it was a life and death situation at that exact moment. So, um, once I'd resolved, like, hey, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go, I'm going to go get my teammate. I get my left hand to let go, right? And the door is to my right. And I just kind of spin backwards, right to my left. And I'd, I didn't realize that at the same moment in time, I started losing the capability to use my legs, right? And I just keep spinning, and my head falls back and hits the edge of a, uh, the tub. If you think of, like, those really fancy hotel rooms that have, like, the tile tubs um, with those 90-degree angles on them, that's what we had, right? The back of my head hit that, that corner there, right? Mm. Um, wow. That said, I didn't feel it at all. 
all I remember was being on the ground and still reaching up with my arms and my hands and like not having dexterity and like still trying to clear that airway because I knew I still had to get that. I was trying, thought it was still peanut butter related, right? It, but it was in your mouth. It was the, still in my mouth. Yeah, you still in my mouth. Swallow it. It's still in my mouth. Okay. Well, right. And then I, uh, I was, I remember. Um, if any of you are familiar with like fighting techniques or jujitsu, right? Like scrimping, right? Like you're just try, trying to use your body to move yourself in like a convulsion type setting. I was doing that on the ground to try and get momentum, right? To get like I'm fighting to get that hand up there to to get that out. And um, it was at that point, right? Like I, I started sensing and I say sensing, right? Because it, it enveloped every sense of my body, right? Mm. It was my vision, my hearing, you know, temperature, taste. It was everything. There was just a darkness creeping in Mm. that I had never felt before. Mm. Um, just a deep, complete, total darkness. And that thing was absolutely terrifying. That darkness was absolutely terrifying. And I, my body knew what it was, hmm. right? Like my, my body was saying, Hey, that is death coming in for you, man. And I had, I distinctly remember having the thought, I was like, this might, this might be the end for me here. Hmm. I was like, I was like, it probably is. And, um, absolutely terrifying moment and it was at that time right jesus came to me man he he but he, he spoke he said hey charles you need you need to pray about this right now hmm. and i had the thought before i started praying that i had the thought of like what charles like why didn't you pray about this when you're up at the sink <laughs> right and you know kind of the you're an idiot moment um that's a pretty sensitive uh spirit you have there to uh <laughs> To be convulsing, your head has just hit the, you know, you, to be feeling conviction that you should have prayed earlier yeah, I was, I was pretty like, remarkable. <laughs> but I think it's really important, like, as I, you know, as we keep going in this story, right, of, like, realizing that it's, because I've noticed the more I look back at this whole situation, it's it's me not wanting to let go with stuff. But, um, hmm. like, going back into that moment, right, like, so Jesus tells me this, and I'm like, you know, I have that moment of, like, and you're an idiot. And I was like, he's right. He's right. I was like, so I start praying about it. And, um, you know, um, I have been fortunate to here in the last probably about six years, right. Just have really had a more, uh, a really rewarding and enriching relationship with God. Hmm. Right. Like he has, he's told me things. He's showed me things, um, that I, I just never thought possible. Hmm. Right. And, um, it was at that moment, right. I was, you know, as I'm, I'm, I'm praying there and I know I don't have much time and I start thinking, I was like, well, what am I supposed to be praying about here? And I was like, well, wait a second, Lord, like you have promised me things Mm. in the future. You have told me things that I will see and do. Mm. Like, I know they're there. Like I, I've, I've, I know that he has told me these things will happen. And so I started praying those promises and I was like, hey, Lord, I mean, I mean, it, it's entirely possible that maybe I just dreamed these things when they happened. But I was like, you have, you have promised me those things. And um, I was like, if that's true, then this, this can't be the end. It, it, it absolutely can't be the end of this. 
there's no way that it can be, right? Unless I'm completely mistaken. And if so, then, you know, whatever you have for me is fine. And, um, you know, uh, I'll, I'll take what you give me. And uh, at that point, right, like all that darkness, because it was still it was still creeping in. Yeah. And it, I, I got done praying and everything went black. Hmm. And uh, um, I wake up 20 minutes later in my hotel room in my bed. And uh, I didn't remember anything, right? Like I didn't, re- I, I had no memory of any of this happening. Right. I, I remember waking up and looking at my watch and thinking, oh, I've got like two hours before I got to leave for training. Wow. I was like, man, I got to go to the bathroom, right? So I go to the bathroom and I get done going to the bathroom and I like was scratching the back of my head and I find a bunch of blood and I'm like, oh man, I like, what's all this from? You know, and then I, I start reaching back there again. And I feel the, this humongous open gash on my head. And I was like, what is this from? Hmm. And I start looking around that bathroom and, um, I mean, it looks like it looks like a, a murder scene from a TV show or a, or mm. a uh, mm. a movie, mm. right? Like there is just blood everywhere in there. It is, and and it was just instant. It's like a snap of the fingers as I looked around. I was like, I remember everything. I remember everything from that chair, you know, taking that bite of sandwich, all the way to you know trying to clear my airway there at the sink. So you're standing in the bathroom and your memory is coming back to you about what happened. Yeah, it was instantaneous. It was yeah. instantaneous. Like I remember exactly what happened, right? Yeah, yeah. So what so then what happens? You're standing there, your blood you're looking at blood yeah. everywhere. Yeah. You'd woken up in your bed. Yeah. Not and remembering. Now you're remembering. Yep. And I had I had taken my phone with me, right? And I, I um I immediately called my medic. This is a this is this is the other medic, right? This isn't the medic that I had in New Hampshire. This is the um because he was at a, a, a different training event. And so I call my medic and uh, he comes up and immediately starts working on me. Right. Yeah. And, uh, as, as I'm waiting for him to come up there, I'm thinking, I'm like, how did I get to my bed? I was like, there were, none of my teammates are in here. And if they had seen this happen, right. Like they would have, they would have called for help. Like I wouldn't be trying to call for help by myself. Like that doesn't make any sense. Right. I didn't, I'm not sharing this with anybody. The only conclusion. And I, I obviously can't prove it, but the only conclusion that I can come to is either Jesus Christ or his angels moved me to that bed. Wow. Because when we, he, when, when my medic came up and he started working on me, because he moved me back into the main room, I looked over at that pillow and that thing was soaked with blood. I remember you telling me, though, that there was no blood between the bathroom yeah. and the bed. And Because and I, I, I had been thinking about that. I was like, hey, how did I move to that bed? <laughs> Right before he he moved me in there, so yeah. I was looking down at the you know the walkway, and I was like, I didn't. I was like, man, if I if I've been bleeding like this after looking in that bathroom, yeah. I was like, there, there's got to be like blood splatters all along the floor. There wasn't a thing in there. Yeah. There wasn't a blood splatter on the floor at all. You're a big guy. How tall are you? I am six four. Yeah. So somehow, you went from being blacked out on the bathroom floor to your bed. Yeah. Wow. Glory to God. And I was, I was like, and and and. and there was a lot of blood. Yeah. There was a lot yeah. of blood. So your medic, like, uh, so medic comes in. Does he stabilize you? What happens next? So he starts he starts working on me, like, you know, just patching it up. And um, they, uh, about 10 minutes later, they moved me down to the car. And we didn't even, obviously, we'd done all the research, like, to where we stay, right? Like, hey, how far are we from the ER? We're like. Hey, we're like a five minute drive. We're not waiting for an ambulance to show up. Like we're just going to 
I was stable enough. They're like, get him in the car, take him to the ER. Yeah. Um, and um, so, so from, I, I get yeah, to the from, ER, yeah. right? And they had, um, obviously with a head injury, first thing they do is a CT scan. Yeah. Right. And they came in, this is probably about five hours later after they'd done the CT scan. And uh, I remember the gal, she comes in, she's like, you have two masses on your head. And this is in Oman. This is in Oman. Yeah. yeah this, is an, this is an Indian gal. Yeah. This is completely staffed by uh, um, doctors and nurses from India. And I was like, what does that mean? And uh, so I remember talking to my medic because he stayed there with me that night. And um, he's like, hey, we're not, we're not taking these guys as assessment. Like, we're going to get you back to, to a military facility and we're going to... We're going to get this thing figured out. So I really hadn't, none of the, 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 the long-term effects of any of this had started to really sink in at that point. Right. But it was, there was definitely, you know, me replaying those events in my head. And that's where I, cause I remember, I was like, there was no one else to move me. Like, yeah. I wasn't, I wasn't capable of moving yeah. myself. Yeah. So here you are in Oman. How quickly did you leave Oman? Yeah, so I was I spent that one night in uh the ER and uh um I remember calling back and telling my wife and um and my parents like, "Hey, this is what's happened. You know, don't spin up anything right now, right? Like there's obviously more to follow, right? Like wait till I they're they're trying to medevac me out of here." Okay. So uh my team called up um called up higher. They um um military spun up a, a C-17 hospital ship from Ramstein, Germany, right, with a surgical team on it. And they flew a day and a half later, 14 hours round trip, to come pick me up and fly me back at 6,000 feet. So it was like a million-dollar flight. Wow. Which is an absolute miracle. I was like that they would do that for me. I was like, I was incredibly grateful to those that staff. Wow. Um, that they, they, they came down and got me. And they, so they flew me back to Germany. They, uh, they put me in the... Um, they put me in launch stool, uh, regional Mel- medical facility. It's an army hospital over there where they consolidate a lot of, uh, wounded and injured, uh, soldiers, and, um, airmen and sailors and Marines right before they, they eventually move them back to the States for further on treatment. Right. But, um, what did you discover there? Yeah. So I spent two nights in the, uh, the ICU there, um, because they, you know, they knew it was a seizure that I had had there. I was a, a grand mall, like a seizure that just takes all of your facilities away from you. Right. So they put me on anti-seizure medications and they put me on steroids cause they, they knew there was some swelling back there. And then they started doing MRIs and, and CT scans. Like every night I'd be in that MRI machine for like two, three hours with that thing spinning around me. That's no fun. And uh, yeah, and that was, um, you know, they just wanted to make sure I was stable. Right. Right. And so they got me stable on the meds. And then, then, then they, I remember them telling me, they're like, Hey, they confirmed it. They're like, yeah, you do have two masses mm. in your head. They thought mm. one of them, they're like, Hey, we have one of these. We're really concerned about it's on the right temple. Right. And they're, they're like, that's, we're pretty certain that's what caused your seizure. We're not really certain what it was. There was a couple possibilities of what it could have been. They, they're like, it could be, um, you know, um, it could just be a, a, a malignant tumor. It could be, you know, like um, an infection that I'd had, you know, previous in life where it had, it had been calcified around it. And, um, you know, maybe it had just gotten to the point where it started pressing on things and disrupting things. 
And then uh, the one in the back of my head, they, they they thought was actually from the fall. Right. They're like, hey, we think that this yeah. uh, swelling is actually from the fall. We don't yeah. think it's an actual tumor. Yeah. I mean, they're like, it could be, but it's probably not. It's probably from the fall because it was about where I fell and hit my head. Yeah. So then what did they do? What What was next? Well, so they... Um, so every week they fly people out of uh, Ramstein, right? And so they they're like, "Hey, you know, you're gonna we're gonna get you on the next flight headed to Walter Reed," because they gave me a couple options, and I was like, "They're like, hey, we're gonna send you to Walter Reed though, to to have this thing worked on this 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 mass on the right side," and um, and again, like in talking with all of the staff, right? It had never really. It hadn't really sunk in yet what this was, right? They're like, hey, it's probably, they can probably just go in and take like a sampling out of it and then tell what it is. They probably don't have to take the whole thing. It'll be pretty uninvasive. Like, hey, you'll probably be awake for this procedure, honestly. Wow. Well, that's a little strange. (laughs) Like, you're going to bore into my head and I'm going to be awake for it. Like, that's a a little weird. I don't know if I'm comfortable with that. But, um, but after those two days of getting stable, they're like, hey, you know, we're going to, we're going to lease you to the, uh, the, the liaison that we have over there. And so they, they put me up in a, um, an apartment that they had there on base and, and they, um, just, and this is just me waiting to go, um, back to, to get surgery. Right. So, and so they had, they'd restricted me too. They were like, Hey, you, you know, um, stay local. Cause if you have another seizure, you know, you need obviously need to get back in the ER, but they're like, obviously you can't like run or lift weights or anything like that. Right. Basically, the only thing I could do to get exercise was walk. Yeah. And so I was like, well, I, I guess I can walk. And so uh, wow. I, uh, you know, I had a lot to think about coming out of Oman, right, with that experience there of like, hey, Lord, what does this mean, right? Like this is, this is definitely out of left field for what, what old Charles Knudsen has planned for life, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> um, I've, been, I've been mispronouncing your last name. How do you, I've been saying Knutson, and you just said, <laughs> you just said Knutson. <laughs> yeah. Is that right? Yeah, Knutson. Yeah. Yeah, you guys. <laughs> just a pastor. Oh, oh, those Swedes. Those it's Swedes wrong. getting you. <laughs> it's, right. it's Knutson. 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 Yep. But yeah, it was. Uh, so you're walking, reflecting. Yeah, it was. And it was, you know, it was a good, like about every day, I would take about an hour and a half to two hour walk around that base, right? And just. And just reflect on life and what was what was going on and asking God, right? Like, what what is happening, right? Like, because I've had instances in the past, right, where He has obviously been leading me towards something, and I'm like, okay, well, what is this, right? Like, this is this is a pretty good sign that you've got something else you want me to do, right? Like, I'm obviously getting redirected into something else, and um, so in in those discussions, um. He started talking to me about the book of Job. I was like, well, that's okay. The book of Job. Awesome. Great. Like, and uh, I was like, I'm not super familiar with the book of Job. I was like, okay, book of Job. And he said, um, he said, uh, you're about to go through a great test of faith. Hmm. I was like, oh, goodness. Well, well, what does that mean? Right? Like, cause uh, I don't know about anybody else, right? Like when God, when I, when I talk with him, like I, I, I obviously don't understand everything that he says, right? Yeah, sure. Um, and then the other that the other thing that he told me about it, he's like, "Hey, this isn't just for you," which I thought was a little 
interesting, right? Because usually, usually, and I'm sure I'm not um, alone in this, right? Like a lot of things that, um, you know, I, I believe God speaks to us in our own language, like stuff that we can understand, hmm. right? Stuff that, that that makes sense to us, right? Because that's how he proves that, you know, he's outside of time is he's able to speak to us, you know, and, 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 and builds that relationship, that one-on-one relationship. But I, that was the first time he'd ever said that it was just, it wasn't just for me, right? It was for other people. So I remember just pondering that there in that apartment, you know, as I waited for that flight, I was like, boy, you know, the only understanding I have of that is, is that I need to, to share this experience with other people, right? Like, cause they're obviously going to ask. I was like, I, well, I need to share this experience. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you're talking to God about it. He gives you Job. He says, it's not for you. And then you're on a flight yeah. to Walter Reed. Yep. I'm on a flight to Walter, to, to, uh, yeah, the DC area. And they eventually get us set up there in uh, the Walter Reed area. Um, and then you received a text from us. Is that, was it about well, that, that was, time? Uh, so we had, uh, goodness, there was about seven days between when I arrived because I got there on the 24th okay. of uh, June and my surgery wasn't scheduled till the 1st of July. Got it. And so I had, we had a couple days to, to just, um, wow, just relax and try and not think about sure, you know, what they were going to do and to talk to, to the doctors, right? <laughs> Good like, luck with that. Yeah. Not, yeah. <laughs> not think about what you're about to go through. Um, so yeah, there was definitely, and then, um, you know, that's another, that's another good setup point to, um, you know, I'm there talking with the neurologists and the surgeons as they're, as they're looking through all the imagery and they're, they're coming up with a plan and they're, they're like, Hey, we're, we don't want to do the, the biopsy or not the biopsy, but the, um, you know, just taking a little piece of it. Right. And I was definitely against that as well. I was like, Hey, cause if you've got to come back and get it right, the whole thing, like why not just take it all now, right? right? Like do it once. Let's just do it and be done. Like, I don't want you to, crack open my dome piece <laughs> twice if we can just do it once. Um, and so, um, so they were talking to us about it and, um, um, they're like, Hey, this is, it, it's pretty routine. Um, not, in, not, in, not in the fact that like everybody has one of these, right. But they're, they're, they, they'd obviously done them several times before. Like they said, they were describing the process. They said, Hey, you know, we're going to, um, it was, it's kind of interesting. I, I kind of laugh at this one, right? Cause, which is interesting, right? Cause you'll do like medical training and like, you'll like give your buddy an IV, right? And you have no problem sticking a needle in his arm, but I don't like seeing it go into mine. Right. right, right so the, right. the surgeon, he starts describing, he's like, Hey, this is, you know, we're going to put an incision here and then we're going to cut open your skull. I'm like, stop, stop, stop. I don't, I don't want to hear about it. <laughs> um, <laughs> like, I don't, 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 don't tell me about it. Just tell me about like what this happens afterwards. And so he, he told me, he's like, Hey, yeah, like, you know, your surgery should take about three hours. Um, about an hour after you're, you're out of surgery, you know, you should be awake. You should be able to stand up two hours after that. You should be able to eat, you know, within like three days, you should be flying home. Wow. You know, and then we'll get you results after that. We'll just call you. Yeah. I was like, okay, easy day. Right. Like, yeah. Yeah. You know, easy win. Right. Like let's, let's do it. You know, like let's, and I remember, um, uh, that was, so that was the assumption I'd had building up um, several days before surgery. Right. And I, I remember, um, it, it kind of started to sink in, uh, that morning of surgery. I remember waking up at about three o'clock in that morning 
just crying out to God. I was like, mm. oh, oh my goodness, they are going mm. to open up my skull, mm. right? Like there is stuff up there that's not supposed to see light, mm. right? Like, like this is, mm. this is really serious, right? Like I am, um, I'm in your hands, but like this, the, I don't understand this one. I don't yeah. understand this at all, right? Like yeah. this is, yeah. It, it really started to become very, very frightening. Um, even more so, right than than it than it had been, hmm. and um, and uh, there were a couple delays because I was uh, um, I was actually the one of three people having that same surgery that day, wow. and I was the the second one to go. They were originally supposed to come get me at like nine o'clock, and it was about more like noon when they came and got yeah, me. Yeah, and what Charles? At what point? Did, did you get a text from real life the day before? Oh, that's right. The day before you that's went right. I surgery? forgot about that one. I no, guess. no, I'm, I'm just that that was the day before. The day before you had the surgery, right? Yeah, you guys, uh, real life sent out a text. Yeah, you didn't have any of our numbers. Yeah, I had. I had that was a complete failure on my point. No, because because we had <laughs> I had called my parents obviously sure. and my brother and out in California and like <laughs> they had sent it out to prayer chains all over the place, right? Like, hey, yeah, you know, Charles true. is having brain surgery. Yeah, yeah. You know, on the first of July, you know, please pray for him. And I remember Heather and I were talking. We're like, man, we didn't really have anybody to send any news to real life Sango. Yeah. You know, and uh, we got a text and uh, said, you know, Hey, we're, we're here and we're, you know, whatever struggles you're going through, you know, we'd love to hear back from you. And, my, and I had kind of just shrugged it off. I was like, Oh, okay. You know, that's kind of convenient. And my wife was like, no, that text is for you. <laughs> and she's like, you will respond back on that text. And so I, I texted back and immediately got, um, I think I called you on the spot. Yeah, right? yeah. Got calls your, your and texts immediately. Was, I was your like, response was not the normal like response to the prayer text. Yeah, I was like, yeah. hey, I'm having brain, yeah, brain surgery, surgery tomorrow. tomorrow <laughs> yeah. If you could just remember me, you know. So I call you. We pray, yeah. and then you, and then the next day you have the surgery. And yep. tell us what happened during the surgery. Yeah. So um, they came and got me. Like we were, we were talking about a little bit before. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm getting. You're doing great. Having to go back and. Uh, You're doing great. Um. So they come and get me right and take me down to the um, the prep room, and um, they're like, "Hey, you got some time in the prep room." And so I was just just waiting in there, right? And this is even this is before anesthesia. Um, just you know, obviously my adrenaline is running pretty high, right? Because it, it's 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 sinking in, right? Like if I if you think back to like sports, right? It's like it's like half an hour before game time or race time, right? Like right. it's really sinking in. You're like, oh my goodness! Like here we go! Like it's it's about ready to be real. It's it's time to it's time to perform, you know. Um. Um. So I'm lying there, right? And um. I look up at the ceiling. And um. Um. The, uh, the center part of the ceiling, the only way I can describe it is it disappears, right? And it's like I'm looking up into, into the heavens, right? Like into the night sky and seeing all the stars, right? And I, I look around the edges of the room, right? Because the walls are still there. And it's just lined with angels. <laughs> and I was like, wow, Lord. I was like, boy, that's a, this is amazing. And it... I, I know it sounds strange, but I have actually seen this twice before. 
Um, I've seen it at, at, at Real Life Sango during the service on two different occasions um, where portions of the roof will, will disappear like that and I will see angels lining it. And I always thought it weird because it had been a long time prior. And um, I was like, wait, I was like, why am I seeing this? And it, it, it suddenly clicked in there. I was like, oh, so that I know this would be real. And, um, and I was like, well, okay, Lord, you're with me, right? Like, let's, you know, like, let's do it, right? And a um, hmm. little while after, right, like the, the anesthesiologist come in there and then same with the surgeon before they start pumping me up with the anesthesia. And uh, I was talking with the surgeon. It was like the last minute stuff. And uh, believe it or not, I, I feel, feel kind of stupid on this one. I hadn't asked him this question yet. I was like, how many of these have you done? <laughs> I was like, you'd think I would have asked him this a couple of days prior. Well, it's not like I had a choice, but, right. uh, <laughs> but uh, great, great surgeon. Um, he, uh, he's like, hey, this particular surgery I've done several hundred. And brain surgeries in general, I've done several thousand. That's I was like, amazing. well, you're my man, sir. That's amazing. Season so what day is this? July 1st? This is, this is still 2nd? the first. July this is still the first. This July is like 1st. early afternoon on yeah. July 1st. All right. So just so our listeners can understand, because this is a remarkable testimony to God's hand on your life. Um, today is August 9th. So on July 1st, you had your brain operate. Your, your, yeah. Your skull operated on here. Yeah. Right? Tell us about it. So, uh, yeah, so th- that was that was the last thing I remember, right, was, uh, like, shaking my surgeon's hand. He's like, hey, I'll see you on the other side. And um, like I said, I remember it being about, I remember looking at the clock. It was probably about 2 p.m., yeah. right, when they, they I, I actually fell about, that was the last time I remember before I sure, fell asleep. And, sure. and I woke up in the ICU in uh, um, really the only way to describe it is a panic yeah. Um, I remember like my, uh, they had like the, the, uh, the blood clot cuffs on my ankles. Right. And I just felt like I was strapped down to a table and they were, um, they still had like fentanyl running through me. And, uh, I was like super hot and I, I couldn't, I couldn't speak very well or communicate very well. My wife was there telling me like, Hey, stay calm, stay calm, stay calm. Right, and I remember all the staff was around me, and they were like, "Hey, you need to move your left side." I'm like, what do you mean, move my left side? They're like, "Hey, you need. Can you wiggle your fingers or your toes or move your leg or anything?" I was like, "No." I remember looking up at the surgeon. And I was like, "Hey, I, I don't even know where my arm is in space." Hmm. Right, like, and um, he's like, "What do you mean?" And I was like, "I was like, I see it because I could look down, and I was like, I I cannot move anything on the left side of my body." Hmm. I, I was like, I, I can't move. And I was like, that was the beginning of just sheer terror mm-hmm. that I would, I would face for several days. Mm. What um, happened? What, what was causing that Charles? Um, you know, it, it was, it was maybe about an hour before the, the surgeon came back in and we were talking about it because I was just, I was in no, I was, in, I was not in the right state of mind. Right. Sure, like I was just sure. burning up. I remember they had to, they had to bring in ice packs and I blew, I burned up all of their, like, like the ones that you squeeze and shake, right. And put on, like yeah. they, they ran out of those yeah. trying to cool me off. Sure. They had a bunch of fans blowing on me and they ended up just like going and getting ice out of the machine. Right. And putting it in plastic bags and like wow. stuffing it around the, yeah. you know, my, my corners, right. To, yeah. to cool me off. Cause mm. I was just burning up and just mm. 
Um, it, when it, they it, when they did the surgery, yeah, the mass that they took out, what was connected to that? Yeah, so uh, that that's when the the surgeon came in. Yeah, he was he was, he's like, hey, the uh, the mass that we took out of your head had encapsulated the main vessel that supplies the right side of your body with, or your right side of your brain, excuse me, with blood. Right. So you suffered a stroke. Right. And they're like, we don't know the damage of it yet. We don't, they're like, we're going to do an MRI. Right. Like there's the possibility that it's still getting blood from somewhere else. But it's like, you have suffered a stroke. And, um, It's just, just absolutely terrifying. Um, and so I, Charles, I, I came to your house last week, and uh, you're you're walking around. Yeah, you've got a smile on your face. Yeah. You're laughing with me, and when I left, you gave me a, a fist bump with your left, yeah, your left fist. So that's that wasn't your condition on that day. No, that they, they couldn't even get a, a response out of me with a needle. Yeah. Like they were pricking my needle or so, not my needle, my, my leg and my arm with a needle and yeah, it wasn't so you, responding. Like there was no, like that left side of my body was dead. Would you tell us about amazing? Would you tell us about the moment that you saw the black things coming up out of your leg? Yeah. So, um, we, um, so from that point on, right? Like when, uh, they talked about the stroke and they, um, like I couldn't move anything. And that was, that was honestly that went into like about three days of of the darkest valley I have ever yeah. ever gone through, and um, like, you know that's I um, you're doing. I want to go back to the introduction, right? Like just talking about like running track and cross country growing up, right? Being an elite in an elite group of soldiers in the United States military, right? Like. God has given me physical abilities that are just absolutely amazing, right? Yes. And he has given me like a uh, like a personality that likes to be on the move, right? Like wants to be doing stuff, does not want to stop. Yeah. And that was all taken away there, right? Like every single piece of that was stripped away and pulled off of me. Yeah. And uh, the only way I can relate it to is is, is, is is looking at the book of Job, right? It's Job 3 where he is crying out to God and just crying out like, why is everything taken mm-hmm. from me? Mm-hmm. Why have you taken all of these blessings from mm-hmm. me? Mm-hmm. Right? It was... It was an incredibly dark valley. Like it was the, it was the realization instantly of like, hey... I'm probably paralyzed, right? Not only will I never run again, I'll never hold my kids again. Mm-hmm. Like who's gonna who's gonna take care of my my wife? Who's gonna take care of my kids? Like, like what's gonna happen to me? Right? Like I, I can't do anything that I love or I know how to do. Like I am. Mm. This was your reality. This is yeah. This is what you're pondering these days immediately after yes. your surgery. And it was just yeah. it. And I, um, I, I distinctly had the thought in there. Well, not the thought, but the, um, almost immediately I was like, boy, am I even going to make it out of this 
mm. this room in the ICU, mm. right? Like, mm. I, like I, I was like, the thought was like, do we need to get my parents on the phone and get them on a plane over here as soon as possible? Do oh, we need, wow. we hadn't brought the kids over yet. And I was like, Hey, do we need to get the kids over? Like I may not survive this thing. Right. Like I remember having the distinct thought that the Lord might be calling me home from here. Wow. Yeah. And, um, I remember like as, as I went through those days, right. Like those thoughts continued to creep up. Right. And, um, that's why I say that, that those, those were three very, 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 very dark days, um, of just not knowing what to do. And just, again, going back to Job, just, I I just felt like I was not getting a response from God. Mm. Mm. And, um, at the end of those, at, at the end of that valley, um, he gave me the uh, the understanding that hey, I was trying to do this under my own power. Mm. I mean, back to those gifts that he has given me, right? Like, mm. it's always like, oh, look, you know, what did I do, right? Like, I did this and this happens, right? Like, I, um, you know, I I took care of my family, right? Like, we I got him this stuff, and it doesn't mean that God doesn't get credit for it, but it was, it was the very distinct realization that. Cause he, cause I was like, what, what am I supposed to do for these, for my family? Mm. And he's like, they're not your responsibility. Mm. Mm. And it doesn't relieve me of involvement, but he's like, he's like, I already, I've already planned for them. Mm. I've planned for you. I've planned for this. I, I planned for this before the, you know, before the beginning of time, right? I already knew all mm. this would happen and, and what was going to, where this was going to go. Yeah. Wow. You know, wow. and I, I know it was, it was so settling and so peace giving to my heart because I was, I was just struggling so much and there were so mm. many demons just surrounding me. It was like, mm. I know we talked about uh, Psalm 22, like that whole three days felt like the bulls of Bashan were just encircling and continuing to nip at my heels and wanted wow. to just drag me into the darkness forever. Wow. And, um, and the Holy Spirit spoke into that moment and calmed your heart. Yeah. Amazing. And it was incredibly, it was incredibly humbling, right? Yes. You know, just realizing you're like, boy, how, how wrong have I been in my life? Like, I am so sorry, Lord. I am so, yeah, yeah. so, so sorry for this. Yeah. Yeah. Like it, I, you know, and, and it's still a fight, right? I even find it now, right? We're all, as I go through recovery, I'm like, oh man, it'd be so nice if I could just do this. And I'm like, it's not, it's, it's not up to me. I have, I obviously have things to do, but it's not yeah. up to me, right? Yeah. This yeah. is the Lord's. This is His. Yeah. This is His. This is His game. This is His war to fight, right? Like He's Amen. He's blessed me with being Amen. a part of it, Amen. right? It's like yeah. I get to I get to, I get to be involved with it. I was like, that's awesome. Like let's let's go, Charles. You're but, doing um, an, an amazing job telling this story. I I don't want to keep you too much longer. You know the m- marathons. In, in cross-country races have a finish line, right? Yeah. So you know that full well. So I don't want to wear you out today in telling the story. Can you briefly tell us about the, the moment where you saw the black things coming up out yeah. of your leg? And that was, uh, that was, um, sorry, I got to get a little water yeah, in no me problem. here. Yeah, no but, problem. But uh, that was definitely a, a, a turning point in the, um, over there at Walter Reed, right? Like yeah. amongst, I mean, obviously other, or several turning points, right? But sure. Um, you know, after coming to those realizations, um, and this is, um, 
Um, it was about the 5th of July, right? Because um, I noticed there on, uh, like at night, my um, my legs on both sides would start twitching, right? And I've always, my wife will, she always teases me about it, right? That I have restless leg syndrome. <laughs> yeah. And because uh, I woke her up, I was like, when it started happening, because she was, she was in the room with me sleeping in, in uh, one of those super uncomfortable chairs because she yeah. is... <laughs> The greatest wife ever and would, wouldn't leave my side. Shout out. And uh, <laughs> she was like, yeah, it looks like it looks like the normal twitching that you have at night. And uh, I, I started feeling it up in my arm, and I'm like, babe, like, do you, do you see anything coming off of my legs? And she's like, no, I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. And I start describing it to her. And th- I, I've come off the... the um, um, all the drugs, right? I'm down to like for pain. I'm down to just Tylenol. It's like two Tylenol every four hours if I need it. Wow. And I'm just looking down at my left leg, and there's these little black hairs that come up, and they're like, and just float up off of my uh, off of my toes, right? And get caught in a breeze that doesn't exist, right? Like there's this <laughs> breeze that blows them to the left. And they just disappear. Wow. But there's just this endless stream of them coming out of my. Uh, um, what do you think was happening? Out of my toes. Um, I remember praying about that thing, and uh, <laughs> God told me, "He's like, hey, I'm taking, I'm taking stuff away from. I'm like, I'm, I'm removing stuff from you." I was, wow. like, I was like, "All right, let's <laughs> right on. Let's see what and happens." He gave, right? you, he gave you a vision where you're literally seeing. Yeah, I saw this stuff just from your body. Yeah, these little black hairs removing, and uh, so I'm like, okay, well, let's see what happens. Because every morning at six thirty, the surgery team would come in, and they would they would do all the neurology tests, right? And they'd obviously like press on my feet, and there's no responses. Yeah, and uh, so I woke up at like six, right? And I would always be trying to like move stuff. Sure enough, there's my big toe, wow, wiggling back and forth at me, and he never moved. Prior to that, and was this after you saw these? That was that was the morning after. Yes, and uh, they came in and they're like, "Well, how are you feeling?" I was like, "Well, I got something to show you, Doc." Yeah. I start moving that big toe. They're like, "Oh, look at that!" And I was like, "You won't believe what happened to to get me to that, right?" And so I I tell them about it, and they're like, "Well, you know, we th- <laughs> <laughs> they looked at me like I'm crazy." Yeah, <laughs> but, uh, they're checking um, your chart to see what medicine you're still on. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, hey, "Yeah, we're off the fentanyl, Doc." Like, I'm not even taking that codeine that you got on call. Like. You can check the logs. Like I haven't taken that stuff in two days, and uh, glory to God. Glory so they send in. They, they check to make sure it's not more seizures, yeah, like sympathetic seizures, and they yeah. put me into the EEG machine. And they're like, "No, no, you're good." Praise God. And uh, that was that was the beginning of recovery. And yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. And, so uh, Sunday, sun this past Sunday, you came into real life on your walker. Yeah. Today, uh, I I pulled up in the parking lot here. I saw. It was your dad's car. Mm-hmm. I saw, and, and then, and then I, as I get out, I see him still in the passenger side, and I look over and I don't see you, and I'm like, "Where's Charles? You had already gotten out of the car and <laughs> walked to the back, yeah. and and uh, and then decided no walker, yeah. and, and and you you walked in here without the walker yeah. today. Amazing, yeah, amazing. So <laughs> earlier in the podcast, I, I told your dad he's a hero, and I I mean that with all my heart. Um. But brother, you are a hero. So serving our country, uh, 
bravely the way you have all these years and then going through what you went through alone, coming through, walking through this this dark, the, the, the valley of death, walking through this darkness and not giving up, walking through this darkness and being willing to hear Jesus speak to you. Uh, thank you for your perseverance. Thank you for listening to the Lord Jesus. And it's so, it's, it's, it's all to him. Yeah. Like he is, he is like none, none of this recovery is mine, right? Like I yeah, daily, yeah. it's like, Hey Lord, this is, this is your, this is your game to win, right? Yes, like sure. you tell me where to go. We're doing it right. And let's, let's, you know, but like he, he, he just opens new doorways every day. You're walking just, through, you're walking yeah. through an extraordinary trial and yet, and yet you're not shaking your fist at God in anger. You've, you've, you've had some moments and days of despondency, but, but you're not at the, at the bottom of the pit of despair. Uh, the joy of the Lord is coming through as you're telling this story of great difficulty. Uh, it, it, what is God doing in your mind and heart right now? I, uh, I mean, uh, no, there's definitely points, right, where I, I, I mean, it still creeps in, right? Like those bulls of Bashan are still circling, right? Yes. Like, yes, um, yes. Don't let anybody get the impression that uh, that they are completely gone, right? And, yes. And you know they they continually come in and attack, right? There, yes. There's that doubt, depression, and, yes, and um, you know attacks of like, hey, you're not worthy, you know, like. I'm sure. I'm sure everybody feels those same things. Like they're right. still there, and um, so our church can pray against yeah. these attacks of the enemy yeah. to strengthen you in the face of yeah. these temptations to fear in the midst of this battle. They can pray for that. And I like, but like you said, it's so it's so encouraging to see, right? Like I I've, I see friends and coworkers and family that you know saw me there, especially the ones that saw me immediately after surgery and not being able to move really anything on that side, right? To see that miracle of life come back. Yes. Right. Yes. Like it's so amazing. And so it, it's such a, an opportunity there to share Christ and the gospel, right? Which, which Amen, I, I didn't brother. have before, wow. right? Like I didn't really understand how yeah. to share it before. Yeah. I was like, well, well here, it feels like God's like, here you go. Like wow. you just tell them what happened. Like, that's all you got to do. You just got to share what happened. Wow. You know, well, you're like, doing okay. A great, let's do it. Let's, you're doing a great you know. job of that today. What uh, for our church family? How how can we pray for you? the 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 diagnosis would be uh, terminal cancer. So, yeah. But, so this, but, is, but help us understand what that means. Well, so um, uh, what I have is uh, it's called uh, glioblastoma. So it is a uh, it is a my particular one is a, a grade four. So it is the most aggressive kind. Um, it is um, uh, the problem with these is that uh, I shouldn't say the problem. The the characteristics of um, glioblastoma is it always comes back, right? So the standard treatment for these things is um, you know surgery to bisect it and remove it, and then you go into chemo and radiation, which I'll be starting later this week, and then. Um, like a continued um, observation with MRIs, generally like three to six months. But they know 
with these things, they eventually come back and they come back to the exact same location. So there's several um, prolific figures throughout history that you'll, you'll see with this, right? Like John McCain dealt with it at the end of his life. Uh, Bo Biden also had it, right? And so like, I, I think of like Bo Biden is like a, a really good example of it, right? Like he had, I think it was in 2004, he had his initial surgery and then it didn't recur until like 2015. And then they went in to do surgery on him again. And then that's when he eventually, he died several days after his, his second surgery to, to remove a tumor. But that's the, that's the, that's the danger of this thing is, is it will come back. Right. And so that's why they have the continued, um, MRIs, um, MRIs to try and monitor too. it. Right. Cause then they can, they can intervene, but that's assuming that they're able to find it, right? Like a lot of people that will have this mm. won't know until it's inoperable. Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah, like yeah. I am incredible. Like that's another miracle, right? That I had that incident with the seizure in Oman and hit my head. Because if I hadn't hit my head in Oman, they wouldn't have done that initial scan and they wouldn't have known to look for this stuff. Yeah. Right? Like I probably wouldn't be here talking to you today, right? Like yeah, I would either... Yeah. I might still be alive, right? Thinking that I was just fine, or it may have it may have taken me already. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so we ask for healing, right? Yes. Like if I could ask for anything, is is healing yes. and for for yes. you know, wisdom for those doctors that they would yes. they would know what to do. But that said, you know, or, or not, and that doesn't diminish that one, right? Like, um, you know, God has blessed me, right? Like he's he's given me this early enough in life, like just being able to to recover from that, that, um, that stroke, right? Like I have, uh, he's put me in a, with an incredible opportunity to, uh, to, to survive this, right? Cause there's not, there's not a lot of research on, cause it doesn't really happen in younger individuals. Like I'm under 40 in good shape. So I have, he's given me an incredible opportunity to beat this thing, but it, I don't want to downplay it. Like if he, you know, the only way for this thing to not end up getting me is for him to intervene. Yeah. And yeah. maybe he's done that with the the blood vessel. Yeah. Right? Like, sure. maybe if that blood vessel is gone, yeah. I, I don't know. I'm not a yeah. doctor. I, right. I haven't been able to ask him that particular question. But, yeah. um, um, well, here's what's special. That's what, that's what we ask for, right? Is that, yes. That you just make these opportunities count, right? Like, that I would, yes. and, and I know he'll, he'll make them count, but that, his servant would uh, take advantage of the opportunities he'd given him, right? Like, let him not be wasted. Yeah. So, Charles, your courage and your faith, um, you're you're magnifying the glory of God in in an amazing way. And I thank you for your courage. I thank you for your joy, for your faith. Uh, we we serve the God that that raises the dead. Amen. Yeah. Uh, so him turning the tide on what doctors call terminal brain cancer is not too difficult for our God. Absolutely. So we, so we want to pray for healing today. <laughs> yes. Uh, and we want, to, we want to honor your request. We want to pray that God gives you wisdom. He continues to strengthen you, that he comforts you, he protects you from the attacks of the, of the enemy. Uh, thank you. You've given us a gift today uh, in telling your story, but telling your story not just with what's been going on physically, but how you've walked with God through this and how you're walking with God now. Um, I've been impressed with, with your, your dad uh, and his calm demeanor uh, through all of this. Uh, Pastor Dave, um, any, 
any real brief nuggets of insight of what you see God doing or how we can pray for you or uh, what's your thoughts? Well, um, Charles has always been a hero to us. Yes. And, um, how many children do you have? We have two sons. Okay. Yeah. uh, Neil and his family live in uh, Fremont, California. Okay. And, um, serving the Lord there. Yeah. But, um, I don't know. I <clears throat> I get up a couple of times at night and I pray for Charles. <laughs> yes. Yes. So uh, yes. And that's I think that's the main thing is to just yeah. keep praying and What does it mean and, to you as pastor dad to hear your son testifying to the presence of God so powerfully? Amen. I, I'm I'm very proud of him. And um you know, we've we've gone gone through a lot of things together. Um, I know that Charles has always wanted to um, be in the army and serve in special forces. Even when he was five years old, he was wow. he was dressing up like a soldier and yeah, marching wow. around. And so yeah, wow. he's uh, kind of living the dream. Yeah, and um, so yeah. I'm very proud of him. And I thank my wife Debbie. She's yes, just been a tremendous uh, what a sweetheart, uh, steady rock for us. Yeah, and uh, going through all this. Yeah. Uh, Charles, I'm going to pray, uh, but before I do, any closing comments, anything at all? Uh, maybe, maybe, maybe some somebody at real life is going through a trial. Yeah. Any any words for them? I um. You know, I remember uh, one of the, one of the many individuals that I've gotten to talk to throughout this experience. Um. Um. You know, we were we were sharing our experiences of of God talking to us and the um, the droughts that you end up going through, right? Because you're used to you're used to hearing God's voice. Like if if anybody's like me, mm. right? Like you'll hear it pretty consistently for a long time, and then then mm. it seems to fade off. And I don't know if it's me or if it's just you know God's just giving me a rest or what it is, right? But <laughs> um. But like, just, just be patient with it. Right. Cause I remember mm. talking to this individual about it. Right. Like mm. I was like, I, I don't, I don't think you've lost the master's call. Right. Cause I think back to mm. that with that Valley, right. Like I kn- thinking that he might be calling me home. I re- distinctly remember that now is like, it wasn't his voice. Right. So like mm. just, mm-hmm. just understanding who, what God's voice sounds like and just, just follow it. Right. Like it's, and it's odd as it sounds like sometimes like I'll get the, It'll be the craziest thought. He'll be like, hey, you need to do whatever. And you're like, that doesn't make any sense at all. Yeah, I was like, that's yeah. how I know it's him, right? Like, yeah. that, you're like, okay, let's, who else would suggest that? Like, yeah. okay, let's do it. Let's go do it, right? But uh, just just listen to that call. And, and it, it, man, it's good. the most, um, you know, just coming from that exciting life, right? Like in the army and running track and field, right? Like just be, basically being an adrenaline junkie, man, like, hmm serving the Lord here in the last several years where the Bible has become real to me has been the most exciting Come on. adventure that I have ever been a part of. Right. Like yeah. I, I understand now those, you know, reading about some of those apostles and just the, the excitement that they had going out. You're just like, I, I get it. Like I didn't understand it growing up. And I'm, I look at it now. I was like, I understand what that guy was talking about. Or at least yes. I think I do. Right. Like, yes. so I, I, I take up the call. Like it's, yes. it's so, 
It's so awesome. <laughs> yeah. Well, your enthusiasm is an inspiration to us today. Um, I, uh, I thank you. Thank you, uh, Pastor Dave. Thank you, mm-hmm. Charles. Thank you. Yeah. I, uh, you know, one of the, one of the greatest ways to discern the voice of the Spirit is to read the sacred scriptures, because God's Spirit will never lead us contrary to God's Word, and so sometimes you're it's it's difficult, but always go back to the sacred scriptures, God's Word. Amen. And um, Charles, let's go to the Father now. Yeah, and absolutely. Uh, let's believe Him together for His goodness toward you, toward your family. It's it's um. Evelyn, Hazel, and Heather yes. are the three ladies yep. in your life. Oh, yes. And uh, let's, let's pray. Our Father, our great God, Lord, we come to you in Jesus' name and by the Holy Spirit who lives in us and comforts us and guides us, counsels us and convicts us. Thank you, Spirit of God, for being the deposit, the guarantee of our inheritance Thank you, Spirit of God, for, for, for being what the Father has poured out into us, his love, and being that agent never to leave us. Thank you for Charles. Lord, we pray in Jesus' name you'd heal him. Father, we pray your healing hand and your healing touch would be upon his brain today, upon his whole body. Lord, I pray you would rid his whole body from all cancer. I pray that you would amaze every doctor, every nurse, every friend, and every person he speaks to. Lord, we pray for your mighty healing hand. Father, we pray for wisdom, that Charles would continue to know how to, how to speak of you, how to use this trial as a testimony. Um, what a beautiful job he's done so far. Lord, comfort Heather and Evelyn and Hazel and comfort Pastor Dave and his wa- his wife and all the family. Lord, help us as a church to be a good church family for Charles and the girls. God, we give you glory for the great things you're doing through what some would say is tragedy. Lord, because of Jesus, we have triumph. So, Father, we pray, protect Charles from despair, from fear, as he described it, of the bowls of Bashan from Psalm 22, Lord, protect him from the attack of the enemy. Lord, be his shield. Be his defender. Cause your face to shine upon him. Uphold him by your righteous right hand. Yes. And Lord, help us to learn from what you're doing in and through him. Help us to hear you speak to us um, as you're walking so closely with him. Thank you, God, for the healing you've already given his body. As he goes through chemo and radiation, we pray for a spirit of perseverance, a spirit of hope, a spirit of faith, a spirit of strength you give him. And uh, Lord, we trust you today. We trust you. Thank you for your great love. And uh, we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Now, Charles Amen. and Dave, you guys so know much. you guys know what happens next. I'm going to say something, and you're going to reply. All right. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, thanks again for being on the podcast. Keep it real. Keep it, Keep Jesus. it Jesus. Thank you for listening. We trust that God is stirring something special in your heart today. We hope to see you on Sunday very soon. Keep it real. Keep it Jesus.